Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, uh, We are so, and we are so delighted to come to you again on this, the beginning of the week of Monday, July 27th of 2020. We are excited about what God has for us this week in the Word. You know, I just wanted to mention some things. Uh, I know that uh, this weekend has been a, a busy weekend, weekend, you know, of things that are taking place in our nation. And just to bring to notice some of the things that are be happening, you know, we, we've heard and read in the news and seen the violent protests that are continually erupting in cities across America. And uh, many of these pro- protests have become more like riots, you know, and, 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 a, lot, and a lot of the and the target places that they're targeting are federal buildings and police precincts and so forth and so forth and so on. We read about a, a fatal shooting in Austin, Texas. Uh, we read about uh, in Portland, Oregon, what's going on. There are now on their 50th consecutive, think about that day, uh, protesting on the streets. And uh, so many things are happening. Violence in Oakland, California. I read about... Uh, what's going on also in Omaha, Nebraska, and around Colorado, and so many other places, protesters and and violence. And these are the things that have become the norm, it almost seems, in our nation. And all of these things, uh, that doesn't include what's going on throughout the world, what's going on politically, what's going on with the COVID. Uh, I remember in the past podcast, we warned you and we told you that there was going to be a second surge of this COVID-19, and this is exactly what we are seeing. But all of this uh, is to, is telling us and is preparing us to pray, to seek the Lord, and, and to know what God is saying. And that's why I believe that these podcasts are so important, because I believe God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us in a in a prophetic way to get ready, because Jesus is coming again. It's always a pleasure today, as always, to be here with the panel. And today we are joined by Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, and Brother Jeremiah. It's always an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it with you today to share uh, what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Yeah, praise the Lord. It's good to be back on this Monday. Uh, Once again, welcome to a world gone crazy, mayhem, violence insanity breaking forth on the planet but jesus is still lord Hallelujah. yes <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> so anyway we're looking forward to the coming of the lord so as bad as it gets out there the more i don't know what man uh, uh, my my spirit gets happy I mean, sometimes my daughters make fun of me like gosh dad it seems like the worse it gets the happier you get <laughs> I said, well, I said, it ain't like that, honey. I said, it's really the fact that that I know that, that, that the God's word is telling us uh, by these things, that he is soon to come. And think of the great privilege that we have. And those things are bad, and those things are going to get worse. Uh, we have the promise that the Lord gave us in Luke. Remember when he told him, when you see these things beginning to come to pass, he said, you, you don't act like the world. You know, you don't have to be wringing your hands and, and, you know, in the corner, in the dark corner of your basement, hiding out with your, with your survival food and your 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> he didn't say that. 
said, lift up your head. You, my children, you lift up your head. You square back those shoulders because you know what? He says, your redemption, glory to God. It's coming. It's coming quickly. And yeah. it's drawing near. Amen. And, and that's why we get excited because we know. You know, the Bible prophesied of a generation that would be alive at the end, at the end of days and, and that they would be the, the generation privileged uh, to be the ones who would see the, the literal return of the Lord. And it's quite possible, and we do believe, not not by hope, uh, not by groundless hope or some, you know, fantasy imagination, but by the authority of the Word of God uh, do we believe that we are living in not just the last days, but the, the end of days, the time that was spoken by the holy prophets and apostles and our Lord himself. And so that's why we're excited, and we want to encourage you. We don't need to worry like the world worries. We have a kingdom that is coming. We have a king that is coming. And our job as individual believers and collectively as, as the community of the church is to encourage one another in these things. Remember what the Lord spoke through the Apostle Paul. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, uh, especially, he said, as you see the day approaching. He, he talked about it being absolutely vital for us to congregate and to and to be together and to and to to fellowship with each other, especially as we see the day approaching. So whether they close the churches or shut down, you know, the ability and the platforms that we currently have to speak the gospel or not, it doesn't matter. Because wherever two or three are gathered, he says, there am I in your midst. And so we're trying to encourage you, we're trying to to bring hope to you. And we're trying to preach the gospel to you because that's the only hope that we have. Yes. And that's the only true thing. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said, but my words won't pass away. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So that one's for free. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. So listen, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we spent eight plus hours talking about <clears throat> day one of the resurrection. And we concluded on Friday uh, at the end of the evening, where they're all gathered in the in the room, uh, in the house, and and uh, and Jesus appears in their midst. Well, there's there's two other appearances that we're going to look at this week, and as we get into it, we're going to see some pretty amazing things. and And I want Pastor Jared to begin our study today, as we as we give an introduction. Really, uh, it might go longer. Uh, in the next couple of days, but I, I, I think I think it will more than likely. But today we want to focus on something, and I want Pastor Jeremy to to read it. It's in the Gospel of John. We're going to begin um, in verse 20, and and we'll read through verse 24, and then we'll discuss it in Jesus' name. Yes, <clears throat> and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he said, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, 
one of the twelve called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. Wow. So Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. It's, it's quite a fascinating thing, and that's what we're going to look at today. What happened to Thomas? Because <laughs> I think when we look at it, we're going to see some pretty amazing things. And and really, uh, this is the only gospel where, where this is mentioned. If you look at the other three, Math, uh, Matthew and, and Mark and Luke, you will not find this account here. But again, as we've spoken before, the Apostle John was uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit in the realm of, 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 of mystical prophetic things. And as we get into looking at why Thomas wasn't there, we're going to see some really, really amazing things as to why John wrote the gospel the way he did and why he included the particular events uh, that stood out to him. He wrote at such a deep level. And, and that is what we're going to look at. First, we'll look at Thomas the man. But after that, when we go through the emotions that must have been going through his heart, <clears throat> imagine Jesus appears and you're not there after all he went through. Uh, so we want to examine him personally, and then we want to examine the, 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 the hidden nuggets of prophecy in these accounts that, that John gives us. We're going to look at, at a couple of things. One, uh, we'll look at Thomas the man and, and the intricate things that we go through as human beings as it pertains to the things of the Lord. Two, we'll look at the prophetic implications of the three times that Jesus said, peace be unto you. And and then three, we'll conclude with, with the prophetic parallel that Thomas represents for the last days. It's quite fascinating, and we pray the Lord will allow us the gift of his spirit in order to do that and to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So whenever you guys want to jump in, jump in, and we're going to begin. Remember... <clears throat> So last week, we followed the journey of, of events on Resurrection Day. Like we said, we concluded at the end of the day. We, we, we began <laughs> in the early morning uh, with, with, the, with Mary and the ladies going to, 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 to bring spices and, and so forth to, to embalm the body of, of Christ. And when they got there, as we reviewed before, uh, John draws our attention to Mary, how she saw the stone rolled away. And and she comes running uh, to 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 alert the disciples. But we we concluded at the end of the day in the evening, and where the where Brother Jeremy was just reading, the Lord had appeared at the end of the evening where the disciples were gathered, and we're told that they were there. And it's an interesting phrase that's used in verse 19 that the doors were shut because they were afraid of the Jews, and we discussed that at length over our our previous eight podcasts. So. If you want, go back to Fridays and, and I mean, and listen to that from last week uh, to fill in the blanks here. But we pick it up from this point. Uh, Jesus appears in the room. It's the end of the day. It's nighttime. The doors are shut. And he says unto them, peace be unto you. And we talked about what that meant on Friday. Peace is the, <laughs> the actual word. It, it means to bring things back together. Uh, and, and we discussed that with Jeremiah, brought out some really great points about that. <clears throat> but it also, as we discussed on Friday, means the state, peace means the state of national tranquility. And it also means the ceasing of the raging from the havoc of war. And we went into length uh, as to what that really meant on Friday and the price that Christ paid when he appeared to them in the room with the doors shut 
he appears in their presence and then he says, handle me. And he shows them his the scars in his, in his body, in his hands, his side, and in another account, his feet as well. He, he showed them the price that he paid. And by showing them himself and allowing them to touch him, uh, he was, and saying, peace be unto you. He was literally making a bold declaration that the war is over. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. That he yeah. had won the victory. And that this, this havoc of war over the souls of men, that he had paid the price. And, and the price had been accepted by his father. As we explored earlier in the day, Mary had had a visitation. She's the very first one that Jesus appeared to in his resurrected state. And he told her to go tell the disciples that I have risen and that I'm ascending to my father. We talked about what he did when he ascended into heaven was present himself to the father, according to the scriptures, and was accepted. And God himself, the father, proclaimed over Jesus, the man, the son of the living God, that Jesus indeed was God and that his throne would last forever and forever. You can read that in Hebrews chapter one. And so when he comes this night at the conclusion of the very first day, Resurrection Day, and stands in their midst and says, peace be unto you, that's what he was declaring to them. The war is over. I have paid the price and, and, and won the victory. The Lord revealed his hands and his side. And, and we talked about the, the great intensity of, of what, what it cost him. If you consider the fact that he had wounds in his hands, his side, and his feet still, even after he resurrected and even after he presented himself to the Father, he still has those wounds. Remember, in the book of Revelation, when John sees uh, the, 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 the book with the seven seals on it, and he sees Jesus come forth and he describes him as a lamb that had been slain. Uh, but was now alive. He had been slain, the resurrected Lord. He comes as the lamb. He, he sees him that way in Revelation chapter 5, just before he takes the book with the seven seals out of the Father's right hand, because he's announcing in the way that he's writing, directed by the Holy Spirit, that he paid the price, a lamb that was slain. But the fact that he describes him as slain but resurrected seems to still indicate that he still has within his his physical body, or however you want to describe the body that the Lord in, uh, houses, uh, his spirit inhabits, um, it still bears the marks forever. They are his identifying marks. Now, the Lord reveals himself that way. And then the second thing he does in verse 21, after revealing himself, declaring the end to the havoc of war, and showing him his hands and his side, uh, then he tells them something again. Can you say that? Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, in verse uh, 21? Yes. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. It's really, it's really beautiful what he does there, because once revealing himself, once declaring that the, the war has been won, that they themselves had come up underneath peace, or they had literally become a new nation, a nation of tranquility and peace. Because that's what we are. We're a, we're a chosen generation. We're a holy nation. And, and he's saying this nation, the nation which I am building, is a nation that is under peace. The rest of the world isn't. <laughs> Trust me. 
until they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they will forever be engaged in this havoc of war, this this resistance, this this fighting of of being under the bondage and in the prison houses of sin. Uh, and, and so, but to to his people, he says, "You are in a state of national tranquility. I have paid the price, and and the war is over." It's a matter of, like Brother Fernando was pointing out last week, it's a matter now of implementing the judicial right that was given. And that's why he goes on and then commissions them. After telling them that, that they have peace, the war is over, he then says, I'm going to send you like my father sent me. And, and the word sent me literally means I was set apart, I was sent by my father on a mission. That's literally what the word sent means. But then when he says to them, I'm going to send you like my father sent me, he's literally saying, I'm, dis I'm now dispatching you and I, to bid a thing, and I want you to carry it to someone or carry the gospel. It literally means to bid a thing to be carried to one or to send or to thrust or to insert one thing into another. In other words, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In, in the mind of God, and, and also in our own minds, we need to understand what the Bible literally means when it says, you are not of this world. When you were born again by the Spirit of the Lord, literally the, the, the you that is now deposited in your body has its origin from the Lord himself in heaven. The Holy Spirit comes into you to ensure the protection of that 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 beautiful childlike spirit that's been deposited in you you were born again none of us are born full grown and so the holy spirit comes to protect that just like a mother protects her child or a father defends his house so he sends the spirit into us and that's why jesus as soon as he says peace be unto you i'm sending you forward he then breathes on them can you read that in verse 22 brother jeremy Yes, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Amen. So he then breathed on them, and, and they received the commission, what to do, right? Uh, whosoever sins you remit, they're remitted, and to whosoever they're retained, they're retained. He's basically talking about going out and to preach the gospel. But he breathes on them, and we discussed that as being the same thing that the Father did in the garden when he formed man out of the dust of the earth, and then he breathed into Adam, and Adam became a living soul, and then he was commissioned to go and to be fruitful and multiply. Well, Adam gave birth to, to soul and flesh. Jesus gives birth to spirit and soul, and, and, and that's what he did. When he breathed on them, in essence, what he was doing was was restoring what Adam lost. Only this time, the origin is not the dust of the ground. The origin is the Holy Spirit meshing himself with your very soul, the sentient part of your mind, your will, and emotions. That's a deep subject, but I'm just putting it out there. That's what happened. And so wherever they go to preach the gospel now, they become the fathers of the church. Just like Adam was the father of the human race, the apostles are called the fathers of the church, right? For we are built upon the foundation of the apostles, the 12 apostles, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, the head of his body. And so they became 
the, the containers, if you will, of the very substance, the gospel and the empowering of the spirit breathed into them to go and give birth, if you will, or father, if you will, spirit children of the kingdom of almighty God, sons and daughters of the most high God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> wow. Amen, right? So, <laughs> so after all this that we've just been laying out there right now, John then says, he just kind of throws it in there. Verse 24, can you read that, brother? Verse 24. Yes, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. That's incredible because the implications there are profound, which we're going to get into when we conclude our study this morning. But, but you know, <clears throat> John is the only one who gives this account of Thomas, and he's not there. Now, if we're not diligent, we can easily miss the prophetic importance of not just Thomas as an individual struggling with his faith, with his faith, but but the larger layered, mysterious, hidden things in, in, in the passages that are recorded here, which we're about to look at. But before we get into those hidden, mysterious things, which will become very plain to us at the end of this study, let's first look at Thomas the man, because we need to identify with him, because all of us somewhere along the line have experienced these kinds of emotions. John is revealing this incredible thing. And we just discussed Jesus appearing in their midst, revealing his, his glorified self, allowing them to handle him so they know he wasn't a ghost, uh, you know, speaking uh, the, the reality that has now been born into the universe and, and seen and unseen as a result of his sacrifice. He declares the peace of God over them, that the, the havoc of war is over. And then he commissions them by saying, peace be unto you again. And, and only this time he now commissions and sends them out. In other words, uh, the havoc of war or the resistance to what I'm sending you forth to preach, he says, it's over. The devil will not be able to prevent anyone from becoming a child of God if they believe. The precursor is if they believe. But but they they will be functioning under an authority that supersedes and transcends any previous opposition on the other side of the cross and the resurrection, praise God. <laughs> so after that, he then empowers them to do it by breathing upon them the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them, you know, whoever sins you remit, they're remitted. Whoever you retain, they're retained. And then John throws in Thomas, almost like an afterthought, and says he wasn't there. This is incredible. Why wasn't he there? Right? Why wasn't he there? I mean, what? <laughs> what happened? And those are the kinds of things that Holy Spirit makes you pay attention to, right? It's like, what happened to him? Well, let's just take a little look. Because if we let the scripture tell us what happened to him, and, and it will, uh, we gain at least some kind of insight into what might have happened to him. Now, what we're about to look at real quickly here is, and remember, as we go down this list, Thomas witnessed all these things. So let's take a look. First, I was thinking about that this morning. Remember, the day, that resurrection day, begins uh, first with the account, you know, of the break of day. And then Mary, you know, when it was still dark, just before the sunrise, she comes knocking on the door uh, where they all were. Thomas was there. And and she, she says, I don't know where the Lord's body is. 
you know, when she came knocking on the door, you, you, we can imagine, right, the, the intensity of the emotion, the mourning, the sadness, some accounts tell us they were all intense. It had only been, you know, three days and it's already early in the morning on the third day. Uh, their, their minds are reeling. Everything's going through their mind. And suddenly here comes an out of breath Mary early in the morning, even before the sun is rising. And she begins to knock on the door and she, she tells she tells them <laughs> the stones rolled away. We don't know where the body is. All of them heard what she was saying. But what the Bible then goes on to tell us, number two, and remember, Thomas is witness to all these things, or at least had heard about them. We know that at that moment, what we're being told is that Peter and John suddenly burst out of the house, and they start running toward the garden where the tomb is. And according to Luke's gospel, uh, Peter goes in uh, into the tomb and investigates, but then he leaves, and and he goes off on his own. And then and then we're also told that Peter goes off on his own, troubled by what he saw. John leaves the tomb, and and he returns to the house where Mary had come knocking on the door, but it says that he believes. Peter went off wondering what all this meant. John comes back and he believed and and you know he must have come back and told the fellow disciples the tomb is empty and I believe it I believe you know and, and sometime later in the morning we know from John 20 16 through 18 that Mary returns right she returns after having seen the Lord risen because we're told he appeared to in verse 16 of John 20, and then she comes back to the house at the command of the Lord and preaches the gospel to all of them. She's seen the Lord, and she tells them he's ascending. And then the next thing that, that our attention is drawn to is the two on the road to Emmaus, right? Cleophas mm -hmm. and his wife Mary. And and that we can find in Luke chapter 24, right? The 13 through 32. And they announced it. You know, what I'm thinking here is what happened when we put the scriptures together. After Mary comes back, they've been in the house, right? And they've been with the other believers. There were other women that were there. There were others, you know, hangers on, so to speak. But, you know, the intent of John is to draw our attention to the to the 11. <laughs> but yet there's scripture that fills in some blanks here. It's late in the afternoon. It's been quite a morning. We know the morning started with a great earthquake. That's what the Bible says. The angel descended from heaven and there was a huge earthquake. He rolls away the stone. The the Roman soldiers get, you know, knocked out. The women show up to the tomb. Mary splits, starts running, saying the stones rolled away. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on this day. And then by the by by late afternoon, I think it was all too much for Cleophas and his wife Mary, because that's in Luke twenty four we see they announced that they're gonna leave, right? I think they've had enough. They're fatigued. Mm. They've been in Jerusalem. I mean, they've been in Jerusalem for seven days, right? I mean, because everybody was required mm -hmm. to come to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So, I mean, they're just, you know, they're just, I, and, and now we're hiding out in the house because the Jews want to kill us. They already killed the master. We, we we looked at that a couple of days ago when what they went through on the road, and they, they go off on that road walking back to their house in Emmaus. And then we're told that Jesus appears after ascending to heaven he comes back to the earth on the same day and then he appears walking on the road with them and and we we, we covered that at length you know how he he would reveal himself to them 
at, by breaking bread, and then he would vanish right before their eyes. And then Luke 24 um, tells us in verse 33 that after that he vanished, it says that they immediately they begin to go back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples they'd seen the Lord. So now we have Mary has had an appearance, and Peter and John go run into the tomb. John goes back and says, the tomb's empty. He's telling the others, I believe he must be alive. We don't know where he is. Peter's off wandering the streets of Jerusalem, all freaked out, dealing with his own personal failures and wondering where the Lord is, but he didn't believe yet. Jesus appears to Mary, sends her to the house, and then telling everybody the Lord's ascended. Cleophas and, 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 and Mary, his wife, Say, we can't handle this. This is crazy. And they leave and they start going on the road to Emmaus. And and then he appears to them when he comes back from heaven, breaks bread, opens their eyes, and then he vanishes. And, and I think that's where the scripture reveals to us that that it's during that time when Cleophas and Mary are returning back, hurrying back from Emmaus to Jerusalem to go to tell the disciples we've seen the Lord. Um, it's somewhere in that time as the sun is setting uh, where the Lord must have appeared to Simon Peter. Because we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, which we've covered in the previous podcast, Peter had a personal visitation from Jesus sometime in the late afternoon before the Lord would appear again in the room where they were, where Thomas was missing. Now, <laughs> Brother Jerry, can you turn over to Luke chapter 24? Because there's a clue found here concerning Thomas. Hmm. Yes. What does it say? Okay, now remember, Cleophas and Mary, they've had that appearance. Jesus has broken the bread, and their eyes are open, and suddenly he vanishes. I think it's between that time and the time they decide to go back the seven or so miles from Emmaus running back to Jerusalem to say, we've seen him that it's there somewhere in there. Peter had his visitation from the Lord because of what's about to be revealed here. So if you could read on their way back, when they finally show up, uh, let me see, let me turn over there so I can read it with you. In Luke 24, let's read, after after he vanishes, read 31 through 34, would you? Yes. And their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished, vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose the same hour, they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered and them that were with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. So what are we told here? There's some clues here, right? We know that it's the end of the day. We know that Jesus has appeared to them by the breaking of bread and then he vanishes. We know also from 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that Peter had a personal visitation from the Lord sometime in that time frame. It required that in order to heal his heart to a measure at that extent. But notice what we see here uh, after the Lord appears to them and, and, and he has opened their eyes. 
so forth and so on. In verse 33, it says, as soon as that happened, in the same hour, I'm sure they got stuff together and were on their way back to Jerusalem, they returned to Jerusalem. And what does it say, Brother Jeremy? They found how many? In verse 33? Eleven. Eleven uh, gathered together. Yeah. Which means, we know Judas had hung himself a couple nights before, right? So the only one, there was only 11 apostles left. And when they came back after Jesus, Jesus had appeared to them, in verse 33, we're told that when they got there, uh, all 11 of them were there. So it's interesting to me that what we started out studying in verse 24, after all those things we were talking about early on in this podcast, John points out Thomas is missing. But he didn't. He wasn't missing when the, when Cleophas and, and his wife came back. He was there. So so sometime after they show up and Jesus uh, shows up, he left sometime within there. Because that's what verse thirty three says. They rose up the same hour. They returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven gathered, and them that were with them. Those are the other people we talked about. And and what they found when they got there was that they were already talking. And this is how we know that, that Peter had already had a visitation because of what it says, uh, what they were talking about. You know, what's what's being recorded here is what Cleophas and his wife found when they came back to Jerusalem. They opened the door. They saw the 11 and the other people that were also there, the other believers, but the 11. Uh, and, and then verse 34 tells us what they were talking about. It's as if Cleophas and his wife walked in and they turned to them and they told them something. What did they tell them in verse 34? It said, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. That's how we know he had already appeared to, to Jesus. So what we can infer by that is that, th that Peter saw the Lord and he came and he told his brothers. Uh, that's why they, 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 they emphasize, right? The Lord has risen. He's appeared to Simon. So sometime between the Lord having bread with these people, Cleophas, the two on the road to Emmaus, opening their eyes, breaking the bread, and then vanishing. I think it's after he vanished that in that time period, somewhere within the hours of that time period, that in the late evening, just before the sun goes down, he, he visits Peter. And Peter goes running back to the house and says, I've seen it. So when Cleophas and them come into the house after taking that seven-mile walk, they find them in an excited state. And they're saying, he is alive, and he's appeared to Peter. And then in verse 35, it says uh, that Cleophas and, and his wife said, well, and they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. So they started telling their story. We've seen him too. That's what we're doing back here. <laughs> so now there's this excited thing, but the most important thing to focus on besides all that is verse 33, is that when they got there and all this excitement is breaking out, we know that Thomas was there because Luke records it here and says all 11 were there when that happened. Now, something interesting to me is that Thomas is listening to all this. <laughs> I mean, he's been there early in the morning, all this stuff we've been talking about. You know, all these events that are taking place. You know, the other the other, uh, the other, other disciples are all excited because Peter says, I've seen him. Um, it's, it's really interesting because what we're reading in Luke fills in some of the blanks. But then 
we have to go back to the narrative of John's gospel to see what else happened. What John reveals. John reveals, let's go back to chapter 20, brother, because John reveals the Lord's appearance and what he said and did to them, right? In John chapter 20, he appears. Yes. And in John chapter 20, verse 22 through 24, what you already read to us, uh, John reveals that Thomas was gone when the Lord appears. So we have a little window there. And of course, it's, you know, we can speculate, uh, but not without merit, because we're, we're, we're comparing scriptures here. Now, I think what happened here is if when we begin to, to throw all these stories into the mix, where everybody's talking about, you know, everything's flying around the room. I saw him, no way, you know. Mary was there saying, I told you when I saw him early in the morning. You know, I mean, uh, Cleophas and his wife come back and say, man, they tell the whole story of how he opened the scriptures, he broke the bread, and then he disappeared. And Peter says, I saw him, and he talked to me, man, and they're all excited. But I think that something happened to Thomas. Because... <laughs> Because, because what John says is that is that he was gone. I think that maybe uh, all of it was too much for him. Mm. I I think he's like a lot of people, right? Because of what John goes on to reveal in verse twenty-five. What we see in verse twenty-five is his state of mind uh, and what it must have been. I think it drove him to leave. We know he was there when Cleophas gets there. Luke told us the 11 were there. That means Thomas was there. So sometime between Cleophas and his wife telling all them stories, Mary going on and on all happy, Simon crying and telling everyone, them telling the, uh, Cleophas when they come into the house, ah, we've seen him. Simon has seen him. He is alive. I think Thomas is like on the fringes going, whoa, wait a minute here. It was too much for him because John points out, but Thomas was gone. But we see his state of mind in verse 25. Can you read that, brother? I think it gives us further clues about probably why and what he went through. And again, we're looking at Thomas the man right now. It says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in, in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. I will not believe. So sometime between John and verse 24 saying Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared, and we know it's at nighttime, and maybe later in the night after the Lord had gone, he comes back. And we know that it, it had to be that same night because in verse 26, it says eight days later, Jesus shows up, right? Can you read verse 26, brother? Yes, it says, uh, after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. So here we see. This whole event of Thomas being absent and Jesus coming, it, it, it sounds to me like he just got, I mean, this, he just wasn't buying any of this because of what he says in verse 25, right? He shows back up 
and they said we've seen him you know they're like he's like yeah right unless i unless i see the nails in his hand man that's what he goes i will not this is an emphatic declaration it lets us know what his state of mind must have been it, it's probably the same thing that drove him to leave for that temporary moment however long it was because he came back later that night and then we're told eight days later the lord appeared but it was probably all too much man i mean i i i don't know i think too dramatically i guess but i could just see his <laughs> mind going going a million miles an hour i mean empty tombs angels appearing you know appearing to mary of all people a woman and he cast seven devils out of her why would he appear to her you know i mean i don't know John telling everybody, I believe it. I believe it. Well, have you seen his body? No, but I believe it. I believe it. Uh, uh, Peter comes later in the day and says, he's appeared to me. I mean, Thomas is going nuts. I mean, maybe he was thinking, yeah, sure, he appeared to you. You're just trying to get all that guilt off of you, man, or whatever, right? I mean, Cleophas and Mary show up. Yeah, they just ate, you know, bread. They left earlier because they didn't believe it was too much for them. And now they're back saying, telling stories of some mysterious man on the road and, and and it turns out to be Jesus and they recognize him after each bit and then he vanishes. Sure. I mean, he's thinking, no way you, you bunch of freakazoids are delusional, right? Women's tales. I mean, my goodness, (laughs) John's always got his head in the clouds, right? He's always talking hyper spiritual stuff. You know, Cleophas and Mary are saying you vanished. Come on, really? Seriously, people? I th- I think it was too much for him, man. I think it was like, you know, you bunch of hyper-charismatics. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's when he left. He left. I think he was ticked off. I think it was all too much for him. Pardon my language. I'm trying to be, you know, revered here. but But he obviously left. Because when they first showed up, he was there. And somewhere between them showing up and, and then Jesus coming, he had left. He he just had enough. This is one long day. I mean, I, I, mean, I this is just too- I think I think Brother Marty, those words uh I mean, you know, it is dramatic because those words echo through the annals of history as they say, right? I will yes. not believe. And the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us uh, something about him. And, and as we've been pointing out uh, the last, I don't know, eight podcasts, uh, this day, you know, the the the, the ebbs and flows of, of this day and, and, you know, thinking back on the last three and a half years of everything they've seen, you know, uh, how one of their own betrays them. You know, so many things with Peter, you know, like you said, he's just out wandering the streets crying and don't know what, what to believe. You know, it, it, all these things are transpiring. And he has a moment of weakness, of doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the enemy. And that's how the enemy works. Yeah. You know, sir. think about that. To, 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 if, he, if he can make him doubt, who walked with Jesus, saw yeah. him. Yeah. How much more us, right? Think My about goodness. That. So, yes. So, yes, those words are, are highlighted by the Holy Spirit in such a way that the Holy Spirit is trying to get our, our attention and say, hey, this can be you, too. Yes. Today. Very much. Some 3,000 years yes. later. You know? Yeah. And isn't that how, how, how people have been ever since? I mean, you have two classes of people, right? You have the enthusiastic ones who believe 
and 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 you because know, we have the, the the disciples that said uh they they that he is risen simon is seeing him right they, they tell cleophas and mary he is risen so they believed without even seeing based on the testimony and the preaching of, of, of peter who had a private visitation so they're already believing you know but thomas didn't <laughs> he's like a lot of people the other side of the gospel right i how do you know there's this jesus you know that we've never have you ever seen him right <laughs> you're right brother i like the way you put it so obviously thomas left in an attitude of total unbelief right because the way he acted when he came back and while he's gone again like we said jesus appears you know i i actually thought about what you said brother the way you said it you know, the Holy Spirit put these things in here to, 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 to warn us. If this man who walked with him for three and a half years was a selected apostle of God, of the Lord himself, the Lord chosen, fell into this moment of, you know, it's all too much, uh, you know. And can you blame him? I mean, we're on the other side of the resurrection, but I mean, just from human to human standpoint, everybody's right. having visions. Everybody's seeing angels. Right. <laughs> We're, yeah. You're so confident. Why are we locked up in this house, man? You're afraid. If he's really risen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So obviously he left in a huff. I can't handle being around you people no more. This, this is way too crazy for me. But while he's gone, the Lord appeared. And that really teaches us, right, our emotions. Our, our, can cause unbelief. Our unbelief can cause us to actually miss the Lord's manifestation in our life, just like Thomas did. You know, we see his attitude when he finally returns, right? Because like we said uh, in verse 25, they had all gathered, and, and now they're all telling him, we, we've seen him. Not only are we hearing stories, but he was actually here. Oh, man, I tell you what. <laughs> Oh, I tell you what, man. If I was him and I was already mad, I said, you guys are nuts. I go out to burn off some steam in the cool Jerusalem night, right? And then I come back hoping things have calmed down. And now you tell me he was actually here? <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, man. That's just too funny to me. That's why he says, all right. You know, his attitude, right? Uh, he says, man, I am not going to believe you. You guys are crazy. And, and and that word, I will not believe, in verse 25, it, it, it literally carries with it an emphatic refusal to believe. He'd settled in, right? But then something cool happens, right? John 20, verse 26 through 29. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? 26 through 29. 26, and after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. My goodness. So we know it was eight days later. And so we know 
what his attitude was, and then the Lord exposed his attitude even further, right? We know his attitude was one of obstinance toward his fellow brethren. And he said, look, I ain't believe in nothing. And you guys are nuts. And I need physical, tangible proof before I believe. And, and he got very, uh, and you break down all those words, it was really kind of, you know, incredibly anger with mixed with uh, contempt and, and, and anger and and you know sarcasm and like, I put my fingers in his hands I mean it's that that's that was his attitude and, and then Jesus appears eight days later and and there's so much in the eight days I mean <laughs> prophetically speaking you know if we understand the Hebrew mind you know this is the eighth day coming to the or eight days later uh, it, it's the week of unleavened bread you know and it's the eighth day uh, is when they crossed over. Uh, between the seventh and the eighth day, they crossed over the Red Sea when they came out from the Passover. And there's tradition, according to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is what they had been living through that week, uh, where you remove all leaven out of the house. <laughs> so it's quite possible that Thomas is a figure of that, right? The leaven had to be removed before the Lord could appear in a purely believing situation. That's for another day. But listen, so... <laughs> The Lord appears, and what does he say? Be thou not faithless. He calls him out for where he was. But we can't be too hard on him, right? Because he got what he asked for. And and he's the first one who calls the Lord my Lord and my God. None of the others acknowledge him in that way. At least it's not written. But they they the, but Thomas calls him my Lord. And my God. So I want you to remember that, what he said. He called him my Lord and my God. So, you know, we having now examined St. Thomas and his journey to faith, right? I want to take a moment as, as we close out this little teaching today, uh, because there's so much more we're going to explore uh, as we go forward in the rest of the week, which will be a prophetic, uh, incredible thing that the Lord has done here through John. I want us to consider on an even deeper uh, uh, meaning what what Thomas's absence when the Lord appeared, what the commission of the ten, because they received the commission, what it really is. We need to look deeper at that because it's a prophetic insight. And many of you who are listening, you've never been trained to look at scriptures this way, or maybe very few of you have. But it is how the scripture reveals itself in multiple layers, in multiple ways of looking at the central theme, which is Jesus is Lord, about his saving of the nations and his dealing with Israel. And he writes, John, especially in the most, and people get freaked out when you use the word mystical, but spiritual, let's say spiritual way, uh, with, with multiple layers of, of things hidden, as we've been seeing over the last few months. So let's consider this on a little deeper meaning because there's insight given in John's gospel as John was inspired by the Spirit to write it. And we're going to look at Thomas from a different point of view. So what I'm going to show you right now is that Thomas's absence is a foreshadow of Israel at the end of days, our days. Now remember, what do we learn? We learned that when Jesus came and said, peace be unto you, 
the first peace be unto you was a, was a declarative state of a new nation state, the church being born, as they see the resurrected Lord. He, he calls it a state of national tranquility, the ceasing of the havoc of war. But Thomas being absent is, is really, in a sense, what happened to Israel because it didn't believe in its Messiah. The declaration of, of a nation under peace was not given to them, right? You shall not see me here again, right? Until you cry, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the Olivet Discourse that you talked about off air, Brother Fernando, is where he told them uh, that Israel itself would be destroyed because of her unbelief, that she would lose her her identity with him. She would be absent from what would follow after the first peace be with you, right? Which the second peace be unto you is what? As my father has sent me, I send you. Thomas is missing when that commission is given. And also the Holy Spirit is breathed upon them. In, in many ways, that commission is a foreshadow of, of, of the church and, and Thomas being absent is also a foreshadow or a prophetic insight into how Israel herself would miss her commission. And, and because she didn't believe, she missed the outpouring of the Spirit for that commission. Oh, can you see it? <laughs> so, so listen, Thomas, Thomas is absent. It's a foreshadow of Israel at the end of days, our days. Now, remember, Thomas was absent. And it's like what we were just talking about. It's like, in essence, how Israel has been absent over the last 2,000 years. Just like the, the 10 received their commission and the others that were there, Thomas wasn't there. Israel, because she was absent, because of her unbelief, she didn't receive the commission of the church. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon the true church. And, and, and Israel, in a sense, who rejected and didn't believe, lost her, her commission. She was originally meant to be the one uh, who preached the gospel to the nations. So even though his, now, now listen to this, because remember, when Thomas came back, just like uh, he didn't believe, listen, even though his fellow disciples had preached Christ and the resurrection to him, right? We've seen the Lord. He's risen. He refused to believe. Just like Jesus was presented to the Jews, to, the, to Israel, and they refused to believe so, um, uh, like, as, as just as Thomas had the gospel presented to him, so Israel refused to believe all these years. But they will, just like Thomas. That's right. That's where we're headed. Now, how Jesus right. appeared to Thomas is the same way he will appear to Israel. What did Jesus do to reveal himself to Thomas? Brother, Brother Jeremy, would you read John 20, verse 27? Then said, then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. When he did that, what did Thomas say in verse 28? And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. 
what most people never see and what can really only be revealed by the Holy Spirit is this deeper type that we're talking about here is exactly what will happen to Israel at the end of time. And that's, that's not too many days ahead of us. And like Brother Fernando uh, pointed out, this is exactly what is being prophesied in the book of Zechariah. The very thing that happened to Thomas will be the very thing that happened to Israel. Can you turn over there, brothers, to Zechariah? We're going to look at two places, Zechariah 10, I mean, chapter 12, and then Zechariah chapter 13. Let's take a look at that real quick before we close. Let me know when you're there. I encourage you, who are, encourage you who are listening to follow along in your Bible. And and I think you're, you're, you're beginning to see some amazing things that only God could do. <laughs> Only God can put in his word. It's quite amazing, right? So what do we know uh, is the first thing that happened uh, is that he appears to the 10, right? Uh, and Thomas is missing. I think we see a, a, a type of that and a foreshadow of that in, in, in Zechariah twelve ten. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes, Zechariah twelve ten. And yeah. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and and of supplications, and they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his first firstborn. For his firstborn. So what we see here is that Israel is going to have the spirit of grace and of supplication poured out upon her. In many ways, the disciples who had the appearance of Jesus take place, they are like this prophetic foreshadow of, of end-time Israel in that they too were mourning for him. They were crying out for him uh, while they thought he was dead. But the Bible said that they would look upon me whom they pierced, that is, the representatives of Israel, which were his ten that he ultimately appeared to. But the greater part is Thomas, because remember, he was absent, just like Israel has been absent all these years. But in the end of time, it is prophesied that they will recognize him. And Thomas requested one thing, that he wanted to see the wounds of the Lord, right? The nails in his hands and his side and in his feet. He wanted to see his wounds. And that is exactly what's going to happen to Israel in the last days, as it is written here in Zechariah 6, uh, 13, verse 6. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? That's 13, verse 6, right, Brother Barney? Yes. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hand? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. We have a prophecy here that he's going to reveal the wounds in his hands. That's exactly what he did with Thomas. He revealed the wounds in his hands. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Can you read verse 9, Brother Jeremy, and we'll see what, what they're going to say when he reveals himself to them. And that will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them, and I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. 
what did Thomas say? My Lord, Lord. my God. My God. Amen. That is the mis- that's the mystery of Thomas, right? He was fulfilling a yeah. prophetic shadow. And 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 it's incredible how John writes about it and how the Holy Spirit so developed this apostle that that when he ministers the gospel and he said, I wrote these things, he goes on to say, that, let's go back to chapter 20 and, and conclude. Because he says, I wrote like this and wrote these things, he says. <laughs> so that in verse 30, he says, at 2030, John's gospel, he says, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But he says, I wrote these things, or these things are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. <laughs> he said, I, I wrote by the Holy Spirit, and, and by the Spirit, things that seem plain on the surface are not. He says, but when the Spirit reveals them to you, you'll know Jesus Christ is Lord and he's the Son of God. Because no man could write like this and hide things in here like this. No way. This is God. This is God's doing. And it's for his children. That's why Thomas was absent. Whether he understood it or not, he was fulfilling a type that we would look at and understand what would happen to Israel. When the Jew goes back and reads the Gospel of John, he's going to understand that. He's going to remember those prophecies, and he's going to remember his brother Thomas, who went through for them, in advance of them, 2,000 years before them. He declared, my Lord and my God. Now, remember, the Lord said in John chapter 20, three times, he said, peace be unto you. Remember, like we said, the first peace be unto you represented uh was was given by the resurrected lord representing his his declaration over the church uh the second time he said peace be unto you as my father sends me so i send you that's the representation of the holy spirit being breathed upon the church and her being commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel however thomas is missing representing israel being left out until the end where he will show her his his wounds in her in his hands and 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 like Thomas received the revelation of, of of the Lord as his Lord and his God, we are given the promise that Israel in not too many days from now will also return to her Lord. The spirit of grace and supplication will be poured out on her like it was on Thomas. She will see him, she will mourn for him, and she will call him her Lord and her God. Those days are just ahead. Tomorrow we'll see the third appearance to his disciples in chapter 21 and the conclusion of the matter. Because the flow of prophetic understanding is being unveiled here in the last two chapters of John. And we're going to see the return of the Lord and what's going to happen through the tribulation period. The revelation to Thomas is just before the the return of the Lord, just like the book of Revelation predicts, just like Zechariah and the other prophets have predicted, that both the church and Israel will come together in a dark night, but will emerge on the shore and have supper with Jesus. Can you say amen? <laughs> amen. Amen. What a powerful um, wow, that's all, that's parallel. That's all 
the Thomas situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something to think about and meditate. Go back to Zechariah 12 and 13, and and as we have seen clearly, uh, the parallel here, Thomas and Israel in the end time. We praise God for the study of the word today, and uh, we're so excited to start this week, and the Lord is already speaking as always, and we pray that you join us tomorrow, and uh, as we continue to study on the third appearance of Jesus. May God bless you. May God keep you. And keep looking up.